Hello, everyone. A belated Merry Christmas to those who celebrate it. And a early Happy New Year to you all. This is Alex Schiffer. I'm joined alongside Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star. And we have a lot to discuss between Missouri's big win in bragging rights and a preview of the Liberty Bowl. So let's get to it. How are you, Blair? How was your holiday? It was great. I hope I hope yours was too. I don't know if people know this, but you are you are not in Missouri as we speak. Yes, that is correct. I uh, I snuck home after bragging rights for a quick stop home essentially, and I head out to Memphis Friday morning for the bowl game. So uh, fun being home. I still have some stuff to do. I follow a story on a. Uh, former Missouri tight end Sean Culkin that I was did when I was with you guys at uh at Thursday night football so still still working but it's uh it's nice to be I'm charging up the accent right now that's how I look at it <laughs> there you go perfect so where do you want to begin I mean I, I didn't see you on Saturday because Missouri was playing Illinois in the annual bragging rights game in St. Louis I don't know how much you got to watch because you were at Kansas State Vanderbilt, correct? I was. I was uh, following following Missouri Illinois the whole way. It looked like a, a lot of back and forth for a while until until the end, and and then it was just um, uh, all Missouri. And I was just wildly impressed with uh, with Missouri. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm still still not sure how good Illinois is and they have a lot of losses against good teams but uh but this was a beat it turns out to be a beat down in, in the end and there was just so much to like about what what Missouri did in that game from from the freshman guards to the you know to the to the upperclassmen it was it was uh maybe one of Conzo's best victories uh as a Missouri coach I agree, and, and you know we said earlier last week, or I did. I'm going to take credit for this. That I thought Javon Pickett could have a great game as the forgotten Illinois signee, and he was amazing. The only shot he missed was a bunny, but seven of eight, 16 points. Jeremiah Tillman at 16 and 12. Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman obviously got most of the booze. Mark Smith only had 5.6 rebounds, but. You know, I think Illinois fans were kind of saying same old Mark Smith, but, you know, it, it's a tough game for him, obviously. I mean, he knows the media on Friday. He, You could tell he didn't want anything to do with us and just didn't want to talk about it. And and you can't really blame him. But at, at the same time, you know, he didn't need to be good for Missouri to win this game. I mean, Missouri had, had Tillman, Pickett, and Jordan Geis. You know, I, I don't know how, you know, the fans that still – don't like Jordan Geis for his lack of late game heroics last year. I mean, the the kid's playing on a bad back. He looks like an old man limping into the timeouts. He had twenty six and seven. I think maybe his best overall game at Missouri. He had twenty eight against Green Bay last year, but I mean, it's Green Bay, and and you know, I, I mean, there were so many scenes from this game. I, you know, Conzo Martin really getting the fans riled up and encouraging them to get loud in the middle of the game after a Kevin Furrier three. We've never seen that before. Um, you know, Jeremiah Tillman was staring down uh, Illinois center. There was technical fouls between Geist and Io. The Sun no issues. Like, you know, I, I'm going to probably hear this from any Kansas fans that might listen to this, but I felt bad for Kansas City watching this game because you could tell it was a, a, an authentic, organic rivalry. 
There was dislike on both sides. The coaches were really into it. The players were really into it. And Conzo Martin was asked after the game, is Illinois your biggest rival since taking the job? And Conzo said yes. And then he said, I know there's another answer to that, but I know how to do this. Yes. Yeah, they are. And I took that as a total cheap shot at Bill Self. And I took that as we could be doing this in the other city too every year, but things are the way they are. And, yeah, this is our biggest rival going forward. So I, I just thought unbelievable atmosphere. And, and you know, what what do you say to the whole thing of, of you can't help but watch bragging rights and, and think about Mizzou, Kansas? Well, we got a taste of it uh, prior to the previous season uh, when, when the team met at Sprint Center for the – for the charity game uh, for the hurricane relief, and it was phenomenal. I mean, it was uh, you know it, it was twenty thousand people or whatever it was, whatever it seats. Every seat was taken. It was split down the middle. It was it was um, it was the game that you never see. Not even when Missouri and Kansas were in the in the Big Twelve together, they always seemed to avoid each other when they came to um, conference tournament games, which is where they would have that game. So now it would have to be. In a in a December or November, some kind of non-conference setting, and it would be phenomenal. I I have always supported the idea of a non-conference border war, and in fact, the last year that Missouri was in the Big Twelve, I remember writing, "Well, why why can't they why why can't they keep a, a, a rivalry together? You know, uh, Florida and Florida State play, and Clemson and, and, and South Carolina and Georgia Georgia Tech. You have all the Louisville and Kentucky, all these." All, all these examples of schools that are in different conferences, uh, but but have maintained their their rivalry. And but but we know why. I don't know if we know exactly why. We just know that it's it's Kansas's decision not to not to play Missouri in, in any of the revenue sports. And and that is a that is a real shame. It's a shame for Kansas City. It's a shame for college basketball and college football, and it's a, it's just a shame. So um, I'm I'm totally in the camp of I, I think they the Kansas and Missouri should should continue to to play or resume playing. But but in that game, in the Illinois game, you know let's 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 just take a few of the things that you touched on. Mark Smith, not a great scoring game, but he did have a big three. You know he had a he had a he did have one big shot in that game and came at a big time. Um, you know, this is this is what Tillman is when he's not in foul trouble. He's a double double, and he's an effective player. And I just loved his some of his post moves. And he's he's showing me things this year that um, you know that that I I knew were in him. I just haven't seen on a on a regular basis, and, and now we're seeing it. And I'll tell you what, I, I can't say enough about Jordan Geist. I he's been their most consistent player this year, and I I didn't know he had this in him. I was talking to Jared Sutton. Former Missouri player who was sitting with near me at the at the Kansas State games, Kansas State Bandy game, scouting the game, and and that's what we we, we spent a lot of time talking about um, about Jordan Geist and how he's improved and uh, he he is maybe there's a long way to go in this season and a lot of good SEC opponents on the on the slate for for the Tigers, but I mean he's he would be in the running for to me most improved player in the country. I just think he is. Um, he's showing me something I didn't know he had. So complete, total victory for, for the Tigers over Illinois. And, and I think it changes the way you look at him now going into SEC play. I know you and I talked about this a little bit last week, that, um, uh, that we, we had to um, – we, we, you know, we maybe – let's wait till the Illinois game to evaluate 
where where Missouri is. Well, Illinois has been played. They're not going to have much trouble with Moorhead State, I think. Uh, and then you get Tennessee to open SEC play. I, I want to see that game. That's a game I really want to see now. And, and it, I think it just changes the way we look at Missouri in terms of their postseason prospects. And um, I, I don't want to I don't want to shift off of what we talked about earlier. I mean, with NCAA NIT or no postseason at all. But uh, but this is a team that's got postseason in them somewhere. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them grow together because that's that's what I've seen during this winning streak, the Xavier and these other games. It's a team that's growing together, and it's a neat thing to see when it happens. I agree. And uh, quick fun fact, it's probably to make this a trivia question, but I feel like we can do better. We have better standards. Missouri and Moorhead State only played one at a time before in 1984. Um, sorry about asking you the year, but I, I we can do better. Anyway, uh, I agree. Missouri heads in a conference play 9-3. All you know, barring a disaster, they opened up against Tennessee at home. I don't know how that game. You know, the students will still be out of town on winter break, but that game should get a lot of buzz. And I was looking. You know, I, I think we talked about this a bit last week, but I was looking through Missouri's non-conference schedule or conference schedule, and there is a path to to the postseason. You know, they get Ole Miss twice, they get Georgia once, they get Vanderbilt once. Um, by the way, since you saw Vanderbilt without Darius Garland, I'm curious, what, how would you put them up against Missouri right now since you just saw them on Saturday? Yeah, I did see him. Uh, and this is a Vandy team that had just come off a win over Arizona State that we know beat Kansas. That's, you know, about an hour after the um, the, the Kansas State-Vandy game ended, Arizona State was putting the finishing touches on, on Kansas. So um, it was a heck of a win for Kansas State, let's put it that way. Uh, I think Vandy's good. I think Vandy's an upper upper half of the SEC type team. Do they do they play each other twice this year, Missouri and Vandy? They get Missouri gets Vanderbilt once at home. Okay, um, that, that, that's good because even even Bryce Jew, it, it, it's the it's one of the youngest teams in Division One. It's like in the top ten of the youngest teams in just terms of uh, roster experience, and and it's a different team away from Nashville than in Nashville. So I. I, I think uh, I, you know, I, I would just like Missouri at home in that game without, you know, without knowing any other factors. Uh, but but they've got some impressive guys. But they played from behind the entire game, and uh, and Kansas State with with one of the more veteran teams in the country, even without Dean Wade, um, play a lot of senior. There, there are a lot of 21 and 22 year olds playing for K State, and and it showed youth, uh, age and experience versus youth showed in that game and. And uh, and we look at Missouri. You got you got a little bit of both, right? You got the freshman guards, uh, but you've got per year Tillman, Geist, you know, guys who have been around the program for a while as well. Yeah. So Missouri gets Georgia once, Vanderbilt once, and they get Texas A and M twice. They get South Carolina twice. To me, I, I think if they win the games, they should. They're an NIT team. I don't know about the NCAA because you know right now. Again, we'll see what Illinois does in, in conference play. Same with Xavier, same with Central Florida. Those can all get better with age. You know, Missouri doesn't have a bad loss on their resume right now. I mean, they lost to Kansas State, which is a tournament team. They lost to Temple, which is a bubble team, if not a tournament team. And uh, who's the one I'm missing? They lost to who they, uh, Iowa State, which is another bubble team. Yeah. So. I, I come a long come a long way since the Iowa State loss. If they if those yeah. two teams played again right now, I think you'd have I don't know if you'd have a different outcome, but you'd have a different game. 
I agree. And to me, it comes down to with Missouri, I think the difference between the NIT and the NCAA will be, and this isn't any sort of infinite wisdom, but can they find a way to pick off a Florida on the road or steal the Tennessee game at home? Kentucky they get at home. You know, I think that they have enough favorable draws. You know, they're on the road at South Carolina. They won there last year. They're on the road at Mississippi State, which historically is a tough place to play. They get Mississippi State at home, which I think would be a a good win for them if they get it. But can they take care of business at the places they need to on the road? Can they maybe steal a solid one here or there? And can they get a landmark one or two on the road? You know, if this team beats Tennessee and Kentucky at home, they find a, a way to get team. in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely, it's yes. A t- it's a tournament team. You know, with, so, so what's their you, – you would know this. What's their Ken Palm right now? They moved up to, I want to say, 61. They vaunted from, like, the 90s to the 60s. Um, it's, it's 61 or it's, like, 59. It's, like, right in that area. I just looked at the other day and flipping them with another team in my head. Okay, well, that's – you know what, that, that's moving in – that's certainly moving in the right direction, and that's edging toward – you know, bubble. Uh, you know, the, the bubble. So, look. Let, let's. Um, you know, it, it's it's a weird schedule, right? They play Morehead State, then they don't play again until their opener, the SEC opener, which is uh, more than a week after that. The when Tennessee comes to Columbia. Um, so it, it, it's it's an odd schedule. It's it's hard to make any kind of proclamations. They're not getting votes for the polls or anything like that. But um, but I, I think it's fair to say, as we as we come to the end of the non-conference. Uh, schedule, I think Missouri's, I think Missouri's better than I expected them to be at this point. And um, the, this winning streak that they're on is, is uh, you know, proves that uh, they they can beat quality teams. And maybe, maybe not tournament. Maybe they haven't beaten a tournament team yet or a postseason team yet. But they've beaten some quality teams. And um, and, and I I just feel better about their prospects heading into SEC play now. I agree and. Again, I think it's going to be a week-by-week conversation for a little bit as to where this team really is in terms of the postseason just because, again, if they go 2-0 and their first week of the SEC play with a win against Tennessee and a win at South Carolina, I think it's fair to say that they are looking pretty good. If they go 0-2, maybe not. And, and then 1-1, and well, then the conversation just continues into the next week. Um, right. Real quick on Ken Palm, Missouri is 69. So I knew they 69. moved up a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, 69 is um, still better than the 90s. Yeah, exactly. As you said, heading heading toward the right direction. Uh, one other thing before we move to football, I thought an encouraging sign with Missouri two, twofold is that, one, I mean, the young guards, we were talking about Pickett as a freshman. Xavier Pinson had some amazing passes, and he seems yeah. to have gotten the turnover issues down. Uh, I think the future is bright regardless for Missouri, especially in its backcourt. And Jeremiah Tillman, you know, I got—I think it's too early for the NBA talk with him. I, I got an email about it the other day, but I do think that for there to be any warranted NBA talk, he needs to have performances like he had this past week. He was NC Player of the Week. He had 23-11 against Xavier, 16-12 and against Illinois. He has to keep that up if he wants to have any conversation of it. My my only takeaway with that is that I think Jeremiah Tillman is in a place where if he keeps this up, he could declare for the NBA draft, see if he gets a combine invite, 
sniff the waters, maybe get a workout here or there, and then come back to school and maybe go from there. But I don't think, you know, we're not booking him a, a room uh, in New York or anything <laughs> next year. But I, I think, you know, it, to, to address it briefly, I just think that he's putting himself in a position to maybe test the waters come spring. Um, at last well, thing, I can, talk, I, go ahead. Well, I can, I can assure you that if he continues to play like this, and he's getting, you know, 16 and 12 against, you know, high majors, and which is, you know, every SEC opponent he'll play, he he absolutely has to consider uh, his future and in, in, in strike while the iron's hot. We, we've we got a long time to talk about this, but um, but what we're seeing here is Jeremiah Tillman, the effectiveness of Jeremiah Tillman when he's not in foul trouble. And, he, and I don't know when he picked up his second foul, but he only had – I know he only had three in the game, and so – you know he's playing. You know when he when Jeremiah Tillman can be on the floor for almost thirty minutes. I mean that's that, that's a huge advantage for Missouri. Yes, and and the other thing that I was going to touch on that I thought was encouraging is that going into the game for Illinois, we we talked about how their press style is petrifying, given the way Missouri struggles with turnovers, and. Illinois came into the game forcing opponents into 18.5 turnovers a game. Missouri got out of there with 16. To me, the encouraging signs were Missouri at 10 in the first half and at 6 in the second. And 16, you know, I said the magic number was 15. They wouldn't if they had 15 or less. They they proved me wrong by a little bit. Um, 16 was the final number. And so I was close. But to me, the fact that they can handle a press style like that not let the number get out of control, cut it down in the second half, and beat a good team like that is very encouraging also going into conference play because the bottom line is that there is a very traceable pattern between Missouri's losses and the amount of turnover they have. If they're near 20 or, or just over 15, the odds aren't in their favor. If they stay under that number, they they're relatively are in pretty good shape. I mean, the the margin is pretty – drastic between turnovers and wins versus turnovers and losses. And, you know, I asked Conzo after the game if he thinks they've gotten better at it. He said that he wasn't worried about the press. Conzo and I get along very well, but I think he's full of crap with that statement. He hasn't been worried about the press given their history. And, uh, but I, and he said that after they were, their loss at Temple, they've spent more time on inbounding the ball and ball security than he'd like to. Which to me though is an encouraging thing because again they take care of the ball against Temple. They might that 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 out of Missouri right. three losses is a game that they were the closest to winning. They lost by two, and these were problems that hampered last year's team. So the fact that they're finally getting it addressed is is nothing but good news to me. And you know the, the last thing with this team is that Torrance Watson came into Mizzou uh, averaging 31 points a game his last year of high school. Obviously, he wasn't even going to do anything like that. If he averaged a third of that number, Cons would be happy. But and he had a big three in the game, and, and he didn't shoot much, obviously, because Missouri didn't need him to. But I think if he can really get going, this team has another dimension to it, where all five guys on the floor, all five starters could really, really hurt you. And I, I think the silver lining to the Porter brother injuries these past two years has been that everybody already knows how to step up. and that's kind of what Conzo's team identities have been these first two years is that they lose the best player and then everyone else is about to pick up the pieces and they do a pretty good job of it. So 
I think his coaching job has really been underrated nationally, given what he did last year based on what he inherited and what he lost in MPJ and, and also this past year. Yeah, well, and, I, you know, that, that's that's a good point and one the, to continue to consider as the season unfolds. I What I like about the idea of a Torrance Watson um, and, and Pinson developing is this is a team that really needs, you know, they need the help in the rotation. This isn't a deep team at all. I mean, you Guys, I know KJ Santos finally got in the game, and uh, but this is not a deep team, and they, they've got to get contributions from, you know, from from everybody. And, and and I think I think I saw I think I looked at the box score and saw seven guys in double digit minutes, and you know this this was a big game. So you're going to play your you know your front line guys more in this game, and I don't know if you want four guys at 35, 36 minutes. I mean, you can do that in college, but that. I, that's not the ideal scenario. So, yeah, you want to get um, you, you want to see a Torrance Watson, a Xavier Pinson, uh, Javon Pickett, uh, you know, getting better and improving, just so you can trust them with minutes, uh, important minutes too in in these games. And uh, I, I think we saw some of that against Illinois, and I think you're going to end up seeing more of that as the season goes on. Yeah, let's move over to football now. I think a lot of NFL executives just switched their flights this morning or this afternoon, more or less, to Memphis as opposed to Oregon's bowl game. Justin Herbert, many believe to be the top quarterback prospect in this year's NFL draft, and now he's coming back a year. And now all attention falls to Drew Locke. I hope those NFL executives, that, that probably explains why I can't log into Agencia right now. But, uh, <laughs> but, really a a big deal for him. He's now in position to potentially be the first quarterback taken off the board. And now I think that this game has a lot more national interest than it did and also maybe a lot more local interest given that, all right, Missouri's a team that has a strong alumni base, but now you're talking about a guy that is in a really good position to get a green room invite and, and be the first guy – of, of quarterbacks taken in April. And, you know, I obviously Will Greer's another name being thrown out there. If Dwayne Haskins comes out, him too. But, you know, who's ever Drew Locke's future agent probably had a good day. And I, I think Missouri's ticket office for whatever remains of the Liberty Bowl can't be upset. And, and really just the, the national PR that's about to descend on Drew with Justin Herbert coming back to school. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I, there, that is absolutely a factor. But you've got, you know, you've named a couple. I mean, there's there's a few more. Ryan Finley at NC State is is someone that uh, that's getting a lot of love. Jared Stidham, you know, started at Baylor and now at Auburn. Jake Browning at Washington. Those are all guys that are being talked about. I saw where um, what analyst I can't remember. Wasn't Kuiper uh, McShay? Todd McShay had had Drew Locke as a second-day uh, draftee, which means a second- or third-round guy in, in one of his latest observations. So I think it's fair to say that um, he'll be among the first to go off the board and can really change some impressions with a, with a good uh, good bowl game. Hope the weather's good. I haven't seen the long-range forecast for Memphis, but <clears throat> I hope, you know, I hope the weather's good for him. And I, you know, want him to go out and want to see him go out a winner. But most importantly, I want to see him go out making some throws. I, you, you weren't around for this, but uh, Blaine Gabbert really helped himself in his bowl game. It was out in, out in Phoenix or Tempe and uh, made some throws that, um, that 
that NFL scouts just really enjoyed and uh, and, I, and I thought helped himself out a lot that that night. So a bowl game can absolutely help a, a player's stock. I can remember Mike Glennon when he played for NC State uh, uh, had a you know made some throws in a bowl game that people were sort wow I didn't know he could do that and so um, yes. The, the objective is to win the game, and Missouri's going to, you know, Missouri's the favorite. Missouri, I think, is the better team, uh, but but secondarily, although not for Drew who in, in the Locke family, is for him to have a, you know, a big game, and and for Albert O too, for you know other other NFL pro- prospects to you know to show themselves. This is a showcase for for NFL prospects. Uh, Oklahoma State's got a few themselves, uh, but I think for the you know, usually when you talk about Oklahoma State, you talk about their their off their their skill position NFL talent, but in this case, you look at Missouri's skill position NFL talent. I think, and that it, it, uh, it's better than Oklahoma State's. I was going to say, let's talk about this game a little bit now that it's upon us. I think the biggest stat I'm looking at right now: Missouri is 16th nationally in total offense. Oklahoma State is 10th. Missouri is 52nd in total defense. They're kind of all over the board in the upper half of that stuff with their uh, individual categories. Oklahoma State is about 100th nationally in total defense, and rushing, passing, scoring, those are all 90s, early 100s, 110. I I think this game could turn into a shootout. I I think Missouri's defense is more primed to stop Oklahoma's offense than vice versa. And, you know, people are making a little bit of a deal out of some of the Oklahoma State guys that are, are sitting out the bowl game. I, I think the Texas bullshit has taught you last year. A lot of these Power 5 teams have a guy right behind them that's just as good. I think given Missouri's history of backup quarterbacks, especially South Carolina this year, Jalen Hurts, et cetera, that the ba- don't, don't sleep on the backup. But I, I agree. I think it's a game Missouri should win. And I, I think it could be very high scoring, but I think, Ultimately, Missouri's been the better defensive team this year and is more reliable for a stop rather than Oklahoma State. Also, as you kind of said, there's been a weird Oklahoma State team, and I just kind of wonder how much do they want to be there. You know, I think Missouri comes in a little PO'd. They wanted a New Year's Six Bowl or a New Year's Day game or, or something in Florida. They got stuck with this. And... Obviously, that senior class really wants to go out in, in good fashion. So I, I just think that this is a game Missouri should win for, you know, just both on paper and then kind of in the locker room, too. You know, when, when Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's had some really good bowl performances under Mike Gundy, and uh, but they've also had good players. I mean, Mason Rudolph was a really good quarterback, and James Washington was a really good wide receiver, and they've had they've had good players in, in these games. But Taylor Cornelius, their quarterback now, I – you know, he had a he had some nice numbers and 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 put you know and, and had a decent season, but it was such an odd year for Oklahoma State. You know, they were three and they finished what three and six in the conference in the Big Twelve and six and six overall, so just qualifying. But if I know if, if I'm reading their schedule right, they were three and one against ranked teams, and the one loss was the was the loss at Oklahoma by one point where they where they flubbed the two point conversion. They beat Texas. They beat TCU back in early in the season when TCU was ranked. They beat West Virginia. This was a, this is a team that knows how to. Mike Gundy's teams historically have played good teams well, and they're facing a really good team in Missouri. That's why I think this game is going to be close for a half, three quarters. Um, 
But I think in the end, the talent will, will, will win out. And I think Missouri's just a little bit more talented, as you said, and I agree, on the defensive side. Oklahoma State's got some defensive players, but but I think Missouri's got a better defense. And ultimately, I, I think Missouri wins a high-scoring game, something you know in the high 30s to the low 30s, something 38-31-ish, something like that. But I, I just think that in the end, Missouri will find a way to pull it out. That's fair. You know, we talked about last week with Javon Pickett having the, you know, which player would have the memorable moment. I, I have to ask this again only because last Cotton Bowl for Missouri, Oklahoma State, I think everyone's image is Shane Ray's sack and Michael Sam's fumble return for a TD to steal the game. So I'm going to ask you which Missouri player has the memorable moment of this bowl game. I, I guess last year's memorable moment either is Tom Herman uh, impersonating Drew Locke or Drew Locke's touchdown to Jonathan Johnson to open the second half. But, again, it didn't get much better from there. So what, uh, what would you, who would you predict to have the, uh, the main moment? All right. So um, do we take the obvious ones off the board? Because I went obvious with the, with the bragging rights. With with Mark Smith and and you you found the you found the nugget you found the diamond in the rough with the with Pickett Pickett, uh, Pickett. so how about if I go with someone like Kale Garrett? That's good. That's a good one. I, uh... I you know I I don't have I don't have a great reason other than I think he's just a good solid player the kind of guy that can come up with like a fifteen tackle type of game and um, you know maybe come up with a, a couple of fumble recoveries or forced fumble and. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, maybe win an MVP that way. That's not bad. I was going to go with Jonathan Johnson just because even though he's he's mainly relied on, uh, consistently relied on by Missouri, I mean, Emmanuel Hall is a bigger name on the offense, Alberto. Even some of the freshman camps got in Jalen Knox. You know, Jonathan Johnson grew up in Memphis. He grew up going to the bowl game. I, I think it would be cool if, if Drew Locke can hit him on a deep throw. Uh, he scores in front of the home crowd and everything. So I, uh, I'm i going to go with him just because I think it'd be, you know, Michael Sam is from Texas. He had the big play in his home state. So uh, I'm going to, you know, Emmanuel Hall and Paul Adams are both from Nashville. I, I'm going to give Memphis its due and uh, and say Jonathan Johnson. You pick the defensive guy, so I'll count it with an offensive one. All right, sounds good. So here's um, here's uh, we'll go we'll circle back to the beginning. Uh, Moorhead State is the next opponent for Missouri basketball. They play them Saturday, I believe. I forgot what the tip-off time is, but it's on it's on Saturday. Who is who is Moorhead State's most famous athletic alumni? Hmm. This is somebody you should know based on where you're from. I'm going to go with the, the pride of Newark, New Jersey, Kenneth Fareed, the manimal. He is uh, certainly um, certainly a terrific basketball player that played at Moorhead State some 30 years or so after Phil Sims was leading the Moorhead State football team to glory, I assume. But uh, Phil Sims went to Super Bowl winning quarterback, Phil Sims, a Moorhead State graduate. Nice. You know, I um, – I, always think of Farid because I remember him playing against my high school years ago before I even went there. And I, uh, 
I Googled Kenneth Fareed after I guessed him to make sure I wasn't stupid. And then when I clicked on Moorhead State and I saw Sims come up, I knew I knew, I, uh, I missed it. But while I'm looking at this, other notable alumni from Moorhead State, Mark Gottfried. Um, or Mark yeah, Gottfried. The, the, old, the old football yeah. coach who, was, who actually yeah. coached at KU for a couple of years. Yes, John Rauch, Major League pitcher, and uh, Donnie Tyndall, the uh, infamous Tennessee coach who is That's now right. a coach in the G League. Yes, yeah, so uh, <laughs> so interesting, interesting group there. Uh, before we get out of here, give me a score prediction on uh, on the bowl game. Okay, I'm, I said it earlier. I'll stick with it. I'll go. I'll go thirty-eight, thirty-one Tigers. How about four touchdown passes? By Drew Locke, and I'll go 15 tackles by uh, by Garrett. Okay, I'm gonna go 41-31 Missouri, which I don't think is the identical score to the Cotton Bowl. When I think it's close to the score, Missouri. Let me see. Yeah, it sounds it? familiar. It does. 41-31 was the last. All right, so I'm gonna say 41-31 <laughs> for a repeat performance. Uh, from Missouri and Oklahoma State, and I'm going to say I'm going to give Locke three touchdowns, and I'm going to give uh, Christian Holmes a pick six. AC and him Ooh. both have big pick returns. I'm going to give him a pick six, and I'm also going to go out on a limb and say a non-Missouri quarterback throws a pass for the Tigers on a trick play. A, a non-quarterback from Missouri throws a a non a non-quarterback from Missouri throws a pass. There you go. Usually, yeah. I tell you what, you, you you often see that in bowl games. Um, you see coaches just have fun, empty the playbook. It, it's one of the it's one of the ways to keep practices fun at a time when players don't want to practice anymore. They're having they're they're groaning through December football practices, and one way to do that is to put tr- put trick plays in the book, and then. You get the kicker throwing, you, you know, you get end arounds, uh, you know, passes, you get the defensive tackles lining up in the backfield. And uh, it is a way to keep things light in practice. And you, and you see it often in bowl games. So I like that. I like that call. Yeah. So just to make this a little interesting, uh, my, my final prediction is Drew Locke has a receiving touchdown in his final game against Missouri. He, for Missouri, he had one in Missouri's 42-7 loss at LSU in 2016. Uh, Eric Laurent, I believe, threw him the touchdown on a trick play. That is my uh, that is my bold prediction. Aside from uh, pick six from Christian Holmes, I, I think I think Locke catches a touchdown. So That's I'm a good laying one. it all That's out there. One. You know, I I predicted a couple guys in Missouri would get scholarship offers from my recruiting column. I predicted the Javon Pickett thing. Uh, you know, it has you're on a roll. I'm Blair. So why not why not make sure I don't. I I look bad, so I don't uh, I don't people don't get too confident in me. Well, anyway, hey man, look, safe travels, Alex. Have a, have a good time, and it's the Liberty Bowl. Memphis is a great city, um, second best barbecue in the country uh, to to Kansas City's. Can't go wrong at any of those places there, and you will have uh, the esteemed the uh, the great Vahe Gregorian by your side for this one. I know I. Uh... I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's been bugging me nonstop about if he got his parking approved. So uh, (laughs) uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him, and hopefully I see you from Missouri, Tennessee on January 8th.
So I hope I hope uh, so too. Bahe and I were talking about that today, so you'll definitely get one of us for that one. Nice, nice. So he's Blair Kirchhoff, I'm Alex Schiffer. We'll be back next week to break down the bowl game and probably talk a little more, uh, just wrap up the football season. Take care, we'll see you next time.